I did that a lot better than you. I was practicing. You did? Were you sitting there drilling yourself? That, those are the first words that I've said today. Um, uh, ditto. Yeah, I, I should have gone through some vocal warm-up so I don't sound like I'm actually, rather than waking up, dying. Um, <clears throat> I mean, me, 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 sort of like that. Lo, 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 lo. No, no, no. You need one of those really long tongue-twisting phrases to say over and over. Oh, that Moses supposes sense. his roses are toeses. Um, yes, well, you've picked the most famous one. Around right? the rocks, the rugged... You never saw that um, Metallica documentary, right? I don't think so. Uh, some kind of monster. The the weed singer of Metallica, uh, James Hetfield, uh, has a... Uh, um, a cassette tape that a vocal instructor gave him uh, at one point, like in the late 80s, I think, because he was shredding his voice, and he still uses the same cassette tape. And it's very funny um, to watch a you know James Hetfield with his you know James Hetfieldness uh, backstage with a <laughs> tiny cassette tape boombox going me 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 or whatever you know. It's good. I stuff. imagined him wearing old-looking headphones plugged into a Walkman. Mm. And so nobody else knows what's on it, but they just see him walking around going, Yes, except uh, the uh, the tiny boombox and the like very not Vitalica-style voice that he's imitating is also part of the fun. Ooh, True. That didn't help at all. My voice is getting deeper now. <clears throat> oh, well, um, I think you've probably noticed, <laughs> but I might as well mention it, mm-hmm. that um, that my voice is coming through in absolute crystal streaming clarity, coming in at a purported one gigabits per second. One of the gigabits. Mm-hmm. You went in and exchanged your megabits, your measly pile of megabits, for a giant gleaming gigabit. A single monolithic gigabit, which is probably more actually like 600 megabits, but um, I'm going to pretend it is. So that's why it sounds so great. Oh, I was. It, 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 you were wondering, I know. Yes. I, I mean, I was, I was just assuming that as I. As I decompose over here, that you're absorbing all of my podcast power, but I didn't realize it was something less metaphysical and more literal. There's still time. Yeah. So you so you have a um. See the mm, I we could talk about the travails of networking for probably longer than we should on a podcast that isn't Cameron <laughs> and Buck are setting up internet. Uh, but what um, it's a, are you? You have drops. Is your podcast. computer hardwired? You have a Cat Seven or something? Aren't there cats past five? <laughs> I know there's a Cat yes. Six, right? I have laser setups. Yeah, no, they put fiber where I live. Yeah, but what a fiber plug by my computer. Oh, whoa! And then okay, there's a modem with See, fiber plugged into it, and then there's a Cat Six cable. Okay, going into my computer. Okay, that's sort. That, I'm sort of getting it now. I didn't realize. So, what does the fiber plug look like? Is it cool? 
Is it like a glowing, like, is it pulsing? Have you never used fiber before? <laughs> no. I've not. Um, I've lived in apartments. No, I've not lived in an apartment that was oh, blessed no, with I'm the mostly fiber. De- I'm, a, I'm mostly dealt with it for work. Um, okay. Yeah, it's their little, little glass tubes. And uh, there's two of them, and you plug them in. Wait, glass tubes? That's what fiber is. Yeah, I know what fiber is, but, like, what is the... I'm saying if you look at it from the the top, right? Okay. It's the terminus of two little like glass fibers, like strings. Yeah, and then there's like a well, then there's a cap over them that sort of is what actually interfaces um and then, you know, there's there's two of them. Uh Oh, I see. Okay. You, your description of it is more intimidating. It looks like two optical uh, uh, audio ports next to one another. That's exactly what it looks like. Okay, cool. <laughs> the way you're like, well, if you if you examine from the top down, the gl- they're glass well, tubes. Well, let's just imagine that people don't know what an audio, uh, optical audio cable is. Yeah, I think they're just more lost than me, though. Um, okay, so they're... Well, yeah. You're just going to have to look it up. Why is it two ports? I have so many uh, questions. Full duplex. Look up full duplex. I that's getting into boring zone. No, I mean we might move into a full duplex at some point. So I don't see what that has to do with anything. Um oh it's sending and receiving information. Well, those are both important parts of the process. Um mm-hmm. yeah. Um all right. So you have giga um whatever, and then you're see the problem that I was that that I was thinking of is that uh, I mean there is fiber. Excuse me, um, there is fiber in Chicago somewhere. Some places are blessed with the fiber, um, but were even were there fiber, even were there uh, seven gigabits uh, glowing in perfect harmony in my closet. My closet is down the hallway from everything that uses the internet in a way that uh, renders uh, transmission of the the blessings of the gigabit to my PlayStation or whatever, um, nigh impossible. That was, a, that was a long... Boy, I'm just not... Boy, my phrasing this morning is very inefficient. I um, just... That just sounds like poor planning. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but there, I, I have a, uh, the Google Mesh, uh, the little pod things... Oh, you do, um, and, as do I. And I have a new neighbor, and I don't know where, I don't know what Wi-Fi my neighbors are getting that keeps trumping whatever Wi-Fi I get because I dumped a lot of money on these little five Google Bash guys. You mean you're getting a better signal from your neighbor? I'm getting worse signal because of my neighbor. Oh, hey, you know, I haven't checked, but some of them will actually move around and see the less congested something or other. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I they, don't try to actually figure it out. The, well, the thing says it gets five bars. It's like, I've got five bars, and then I'll go to my speed test, and my speed test does this really fun uh, thing where it uh, the the you know, it's a speedometer-looking thing. My son loves oh, it. Oh, yes. Right? When it's good, I get, you know, I'm like, up oh, over 100. I'm, no, <laughs> nothing about what Comcast says they're going to give me makes any sense. I'm paying for like 65, and I either get 150 or 0.17. <laughs> 
you know, like it, it, you never know. Um, but it sits there and the little, the little dial will start at 10 and oh, then just like yeah. crawl down until it's like at 0.02. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the only solution I found in the last couple of weeks since this started happening, which it just doesn't, it doesn't happen all the time, but it just sometimes happens. Is now the little pod rather than being stowed like in the entertainment center is like on the floor around the corner. Uh, and when you need, when the internet does that, you slide it out to the middle of the room. <laughs> so, but uh, dropping like a physical, I've I've pitched the idea of running like a physical line around and down the house, uh, but at, it would require. Oh, I don't know. It had to go around one, two, three, four corners and one, two, three doorways and a cabinet. <laughs> if only there were some way to sort of like send that information over invisible wires, as it were. Invisible. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. But my neighbor's invisible wires keep tangling up my <laughs> invisible wires. Uh, you know, they do have a Ethernet port on them. Each one of them does. So if it's just a broadcast to you or whatever device, you just plug right in. Yeah. I mean, the, I've attempted that. The problem is the broadcast from the uh, from the home. So the thing that I'm sliding out is the one of the port. The, yeah. Okay. This is officially becoming gotcha. the worst <laughs> the worst network setup podcast. How are you doing? <laughs> In, with your gigabits. Uh, I mean, I am incredibly tired, but not so much so that, like, I didn't want to be doing this. Just normal work late and then try to sleep immediately tired. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm with you on that. I, I, I'm here. <laughs> I have that to say. Oh, I found a cookie. Just well, found a cookie. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I don't even know. Is this our first morning one? Since so, I switched shifts. I was thinking about it. We've gone through, originally, I think we were late, and then we've switched to morning, and then we were dead late. And now here we are, again, back with the morning special. All um, right. As so, today. that's it. Okay. So, we're going to have to, we're going to have to push through. So, <laughs> what's, what's happening that's amazingly interesting? Because mm. there's a lot of things that happen and a lot of them just bore me in life. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll handle this one. Um I bought a uh a a device finally. I've been meaning to get one for forever. And I I, I think it is it is an interesting device in that well, the first time you all you have to do is think of it and then perhaps use it uh for a one second and I think at that point you either buy yourself one or you never want to see them again. Uh, and, and that device... This is uh, quite a setup. Right. Let me I know. It reminds setup. me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of the time that you and I, my setup anyway, and the, and the resultant, in, you know, inevitably poor payoff, is, um, re- reminds me of when you and I read about the device that was going to revolutionize cities. It. And you could only... They called it it. <laughs> it. And you could only put it together with a screwdriver. Or like... That- or, 
thing. All I love that, was that you remember that because we must have heard the same thing about it. We talked about it. It was like <sighs> late was high school, early college. thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Revolutionized, revolutionized cities, they told us. You, yeah, we should give that full setup. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah, it was. Uh, so, And we were like, did they do it? Did we discover like teleportation or something but then they said mm-hmm. that you'd only have to use a screwdriver to put it together which blew my mind the rest of the way right and it was gonna cities would be built around it it was a oh, yeah. changing point for civil ci, okay may, may have not said a changing point for civilization no, no, but, but they certainly implied that yeah that well they said you're right it wasn't that it would revolutionize cities it was that cities would be built around it because i remember thinking is this like a uh, is it like a matter like is the did we discover because uh, there were so many parts to it there was the idea that a city would be built around it is bigger than like oh we discovered a jetpack or something right it, like it was like this could be like a matter uh creator or something like we could be moving into a whole new world of uh of what physical items even mean I just remember, whoa, I just remember I'm really doing a great job audio-wise over here. Um, I just remember us just racking our minds as to what it could be. Ladies and gentlemen, the product that we're talking about was the Segway. Um, Aha! Which I'm sure most of you guessed by now. Yeah, exactly. The Segway, which now here we are in 2019, year of our Lord 2019, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm recording here in Segwayopolis that was built in, you know, south of Chicago. I, I rode a Segway from Chicago. my bed to this desk, <laughs> yeah. so I don't know what you did. I have a closet full of just Segways and screwdrivers. Um, Let's be honest. The hoverboard changed the world more than the Segway did. Mm. You know, I, the, and, the, and that's basically a, a child's toy. Are you still seeing those? I had completely forgotten about the hoverboard. Well, partly the point is they didn't really change much of anything other than a pop culture, you know, thing. I, and yeah, there are fewer of them, but I still see them. Uh, that's that one's nuts. I remember there was a summer where it felt like those things were everywhere, and they were the hottest Christmas item. Where are everyone's mm-hmm. hoverboards? I guess they're just in the they're rel- oh they're still garages. around. I think they're just less like. Um, in in vogue now they're just like another thing you can buy mm. Mm. i just i just don't want to know where everyone's hoverboards just like are okay where you know what let's do a whole episode on it i'm writing it down where are the hoverboards where are the hoverboards <laughs> okay we um, got it okay cool moving on the thing that i bought uh that that it's not it's you don't need a screwdriver and it's not going to revolutionize a city but you, have you uh, have you personally tried a weighted blanket? A weighted no, blanket, like uh, what you might get a. Um, I've heard of them, but only for like children or autistic certain autistic people. It's helpful. That I kind of thing. I do not doubt that. Um, as someone who is neither of those things, but is a human being who likes to feel like they're slowly being crushed. Uh, for some reason, uh, that's why I'm saying if either either you will you will think of and or try a weighted blanket for one second, and you will either say what I said, which is wow, this is very calming, you know, to have like it's it's like 15 pounds or something. Like the way that it works is it, it's uh, 
sort of a quilt, but each segment of the quilt seems to be full of sand or a little bit of sand. So the cumulative effect is it's... Oh, okay. Yeah. Like that appears to be the technology we're <laughs> I dealing I thought with it here. was just like uh, there was fiberized depleted uranium sort of woven into it. I got the... Well, I got the cheap one. Oh, yeah. Uh, sand. Model. It's just sand. Um, but uh, Shannon like laid <laughs> under it for a second and said, no, I feel like I'm dying. Like, I forget what she okay, said. Okay, so you know, your description makes a lot of sense yeah. now. Because it's not that you – okay, so it's not that you think it's a good or bad product once you use it. It's just going to completely polarize between types of people who it would feel good for and people who would absolutely feel terrible under it. Right. Like, the only reason I didn't buy a heavier one is the heavier one was a good deal more expensive. And I was like skeptical I, because I I bought my sister one for Christmas and uh, I I have always thought eh, that seems like the kind of thing that would be nice, uh, but like yeah it's it's a it's a not an extreme sensation by any means but like it's either a sensation that you're looking for and will help you sleep better which it has materially helped me uh, sleep better That's in the past awesome. week or. It is uh it is a awful sensation that you want nothing no part of. So um I'm highly claustrophobic, but the idea actually sounds right to me. Like I, I do want to be sort of encased, sort of I don't know, like set almost like vacuum sealed into comfort, if you will. There's probably so, there's I think there's a Reddit for that. Uh yeah. Might, might not go there. No. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. I don't know how one tries one of these things without buying one, but I could just go ask around. I mean, it's, yeah, you could just Amazon one. Or you know what? I'll, I will try it. I'll get under my blanket and I'll say, hey, Abigail, start throwing crap on me. <laughs> well, more, heavier. Yeah, heavier. <laughs> I need to buy <laughs> Are there like are there like versions of this blanket where, where they they have like a progressive weight scale? And, you know, you know. I think the blanket and the hoverboard share a um, somewhat distressing commonality, which is this: this is one of those products that just sort of appeared, um, and it appeared without a clear winner in the marketplace, um, and it just sort of has become a product that you buy whichever one happens to be on sale on Amazon, which I think is generally sort of an unhealthy marketplace pattern for our society. Uh, like there, cause like I, I have no idea what brand the one I bought is and I have no real knowledge of like where it came from or like what is actually inside of it or anything. Um, and no trust with Amazon and their sellers to do me right by that. Yeah, uh, I mean, it may be partly because I'm less poor than I once was as a younger man uh, or just the novelty of it. But, yeah, I'm getting real burnt out on the just plethora of Amazon options, none of which I have any understanding of. Yeah, who makes them or what their point is or why they're a different price than another thing. Yeah, and the the if you go look at I'm looking at results here and they're from a zillion, you know, it, it they're from brand names that sound like they were made in order to get something on Amazon, not like it was an existing brand. Uh Oh yes. We've got Oh, by the way, if you don't know it, um 
There's some site, dadgummit, my friend told me the other day I went there. Basically, you t- you input any Amazon URL of a product you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And it does an analysis on its uh, comments okay. and stars and everything. And gives you a readout of the pattern of them over time and whether or not that indicates possible fake reviews and how likely those Ooh. reviews are to have anything to do with the actual product being what it is. It's really interesting because they clearly took some time to try to generate some usable info from uh, the history of comments um, on these. So, hmm. All right, I, I did it. I, it I found it, and I put my I, – I, while you were talking, I moved very quickly and efficiently. <sighs> It's uh, almost like you've got gigabits. I personal, I personal gigabit inside me. Um, it, really, the gigabit was the the keyboard and uh, fingers typing on it that we had inside ourselves the whole time. Um, the review site seems to be fakespot.com. That could be it, yeah. Yeah, that could be. I mean, I need uh, see what I need is a website in which you put the URL of a review site uh, that analyzes fake reviews to find out if that fake review site analyzer is reliable um it's fake spot spot yeah um i put yeah, in this is it so i bought mine is from the very uh not at all fake sounding boozio is <laughs> the, <name of> the, <laughs> the name of the brand of my blanket um it was uh it's got a solid c here over on fake spot <laughs> okay well i've seen worse all right <laughs> okay um, it's sixty point zero percent of the reviews are reliable, which, frankly, for for Amazon, that seems pretty high. I'm gonna give myself a C. Seems to be a passing grade. Um, wait, I can. Click. Yeah, I mean, look, you've already decided to buy it on Amazon. Yeah, I'm sleeping under this thing. You're gonna accept a C. I yeah. mean, nobody's arguing with that. I just so what I meant is that like this product appeared not via um as far as I well at least in terms of how I learned about it. Um, so, I mean, my sample size of one is that it appeared as sort of a product that materialized out of Amazon deals and not because there was like one driving <laughs> brand, um, which I believe is very similar to the hoverboard situation where, uh, I, the hoverboard TM might actually be a thing, but what ended up happening is people just bought whatever hoverboard was on Amazon in their first result. And I believe a lot of those were, okay, I just refreshed Okay, no, it's still a C. Okay, I reanalyzed. Um, fake Did spo- you write a comment and then go back? No, no, I, there was a reanalyze button. Um, oh. So, any, anywho, uh, the there was uh, hoverboard explosions, right? Like, so if some of the extremely yeah, they catch on fire. yeah. So, like, and then like that product. I mean, I guess it's still around. Let's see, hoverboard. <laughs> yeah, but like, it, it's a million different brands ranging from $98 to $1,799. Oh, that's the one wheel. There's your actual brand. It's 10 times the price. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know that like this is a good, it doesn't seem like a good pattern. Uh, but then again, I guess like maybe the, the unified brand name of something isn't necessarily an indicator of anything. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it seems like competition in the market, but the uh, the way things are sold 
anonymously and the pace at which new products come in and off. It's just like, there's, there's no way to know anything. Um, I don't know. I think maybe I'll just stop owning things. Uh, that, that's a definitely a option. Now I'm looking at the sponsored products related to this item by such very real sounding brands as Hayute or Fuzoop. That's a F O O Z O U P. We're not sponsored by Fuzoop. Um, just, you know, this is more of a brand. Yet. This is more of a, <laughs> that's right. Get out to it. Get in touch with us. Cameron and Brock you know, at gmail.com. If we, could, if we could land a sponsorship, it's definitely going to be one of these fly by night Chinese companies <laughs> that need some exposure. Uh, um, that all the brands will sound either like a vaguely non-English word, but sounds like it should be, but isn't, or just outright combination of chinese words like that's probably 80 percent of the brands on amazon now i, I sort of respect Hayute for not even bothering <laughs> at some point other <laughs> other uh, uh fuzoop i feel like tried and just swung and missed and then we've got z nest over here that's three z's and the word nest <laughs> all three of those brands are name also the brand name is in all caps which i really feel like is somewhat of a dead giveaway but yeah there's a um the the brand uh, ends up being a sort of a disposable, like a uh, indicator that uh, b- standing between you, what's literally you and like drop shipped Chinese goods. Um, and I feel like we should have seen this coming like as a society, because like I for remember when like monoprice came out and all of a sudden you realized that you could go get a USB cable for 63 cents on monoprice yeah. instead of like, get like shafted for a 90% markup at Best Buy. Um, Mm -hmm. Or like when HDMI cables came out, they were like 30 to $60 a piece and you could go get an HDMI cable for like two 99. So like there are certain types of products where I'm like, we were all very excited to like uh, bypass literally the entire market, like every possible middleman between uh, me, the consumer and you, the Chinese factory um, but uh, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't no, know. I mean, I still you know what think I mean? it. No, I totally, I totally do. And I still think that it's probably a major plus, um, to exist for a lot of things that are just made to steal people's money who don't know better. Right. But because of Amazon, it's expanded into some kind of uncontrollable spiral of craziness. Now, I don't know that it's it's destroyed the ability to uh, have other brands. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't mind it so much. I just have to realize what's happening and decide either to focus a purchase on something like, you know, legit and expensive or not. And so that all depends on how, how serious I am about having that thing long term, I guess. Yeah, or trusting my life to it, or anything. Well, it's it's kind of re- removed some of the. Uh, I, I'm saying, you know, I'm making fun of Fuzoop or whatever, but I'm also like, <clears throat> now I'm less convinced that one of the brands that does sound real, like I'm here at looking at the Gravity Blanket, and it's got this very nice website. You can get a space gray Gravity Blanket. Or a galaxy blue gravity blanket. That's the depleted uranium one. The, actually, this one claims it's all original, but I, I feel like there are probably also just like a startup 
startup blankets that are just the same blanket, but with a like a more American startup sounding uh, sort of frame around it instead of it just being a product that exists <coughs> only on Amazon as it's, you know, like a drop shipped other thing. Now it's got a, you know, they went out and got a Squarespace site and created a business around it, but it's the same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Really, now I'm sounding like the people that um that we've made fun of really early on. on the pro- well, we people that we made light of really early in the podcast who are you know, always uh, nice save people. Yeah, people who are like uh, yeah, they, the, you know, on one side of the street they sell you the one polo shirt, and on the other side of the street they'll put a logo on it and sell it to you for tw- double or whatever. <laughs> and I'm not. I don't want to be that kind of person. Like I. I their higher quality clothes tend to actually be higher quality or more expensive clothes tend to be higher quality, not in like some sort of a linear fashion that there's the graph is not a line, but, uh, but with blankets, hell if I know, Mm. look, you're going to have that blanket for a while. And once it becomes a thing that you truly believe is in, uh, needed for your life quality ongoingly, you're going to, you're going to, one day for a birthday or Christmas, receive a joint gift where everybody pitched in and got you the complete even weight distributed hyper hand woven depleted uranium depleted uranium in uh, imbued uh, weighty blanket or whatever you guys call them, uh, and it's it's going to be. Like that's your life. Like you, you set yourself on that path. So yeah. just to be aware. The the like cheapest one on Amazon as trial for the expensive one is definitely a purchasing uh plan that has ha- well, I've definitely used before. I, I mean like the gravity blanket one here. Like mine was uh I believe but the deal I got it was like fifty bucks. Um, and normally there it's like, it's 70 bucks or something. You want to get a gravity blanket or an equivalent size. It's $249. So, uh, also there's something in here that says I can slice it in four with Klarna. <laughs> Wait, you, <laughs> okay. I uh, don't, I don't explain that. Payment. Don't even, there's nothing about that that just made sense. So I'm just going to ponder that for a while yeah. and, and later I'm going to look it up. All these companies owe us. Um, go ahead. I'll, I'll I'll reach out after. It's fine. What were you gonna say? What? I just no. I don't want to know what that meant. It's so okay. confusing, and, and <laughs> I'm just gonna think about it. Ah, uh, good. <clears throat> anyway, yes. One day I'll upgrade to the to the um, overfunded startup version of the thing instead of the Chinese company dropship version of a thing. Yeah, let's just think of it like a trial period. I, you know, I've got some questions You're I welcome, need to answer. China. Yeah, <laughs> you've got some questions I need to answer anyway. Um, probably sooner rather than later. Like, how do I wash it? <laughs> is an interesting <laughs> one. Uh, so with the Chinese model, you actually don't. You just buy a new one when it gets too dirty. <laughs> I was afraid you were going to say that. <sighs> You're wasting again. You're a waster. Oh. Uh, I've got a, I've, so I've got a, um, a very patient and well-behaved, quiet observer this morning. I'm impressed. He's, he's doing a good job. Yeah. Oh, he and I released an album last night. 
Oh, on Bandcamp? Yep. And actually, I'm going to be putting it on Spotify, which is very exciting. Turns out you, it's, it's very easy to do that. It's a lot is it the one you to. recorded with your friend or friends? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I heard some of that. That was pretty good. Yeah, it's, uh, it is a solid effort. It's, uh, I'll buy the band Eyeball. I think my favorite now, not that I don't like the music, but uh-huh. my favorite part by far is Archer's lyrics, song lyrics. I think that... Uh, <laughs> They're just like, I mean, I'm not being really, I'm not really being facetious. Like, it is, you know, a nascent attempt, sure. But, like, they're somehow intriguing. Like, they're not just what you would expect a kid to say. You're like, what's going on? And then you like, you're like, hmm, I don't know. I mean, some of them are, but, like, I don't know. It's still very engaging he, he so good job archer yeah he i mean i so as part of this process you know like putting together this album i do put all the lyrics into um into Bandcamp so you can read them and i had to go track down all of the lyrics that we had written down for this one and one of these songs is about uh a place uh, according to archer this song what what would you say at here is about it's about a house Okay, it's a really long song about a house a guy lived in, and the house is is a is bad. Like it's a bad house. It's written from the perspective of the guy that talks about all the things that isn't that aren't in his house. Um, there's and it's called at here. So the re- recurring phrase is actually odd. It's it's at here. This place is boring. At here, there is no bedroom. At here, there is no bathroom. So at- we've got the artist on the line. Uh-huh. Can is it that? That was the phrase that just sort of you would have used, or or was it that the phrase was a little bit off, but meaning the same thing? So it was interesting to use in that. All right, I have to repeat the question. <laughs> yeah, I go ahead. It's on. He can't hear you. All right. So our, what Brock is saying, uh, and the listeners are having to hear twice now that I'm explaining it to you is is was the phrase. Uh, it's an odd use of the words. So is that a phrase that just sounded good to you? Or is there something, is there some uh, meaning to the using the words adhere in that order? He, so he's also, it's just he's like got a retainer the, in. <laughs> I, I guess it's just like the way I wrote it. Okay. That sounds, that sounds good. So well, that's good news. He it said, sounds like he's, I heard him. Okay. Uh, this, we have an intuitive on our hands here. Oh, very. So much, he did yeah. something interesting without in, totally intentionally constructing it, which is something that cannot be taught. Really, that is the the overall sort of ethos of the our bands in general, which is uh, you get usually one shot to record something, and all you have going in is uh, a song title, some lyrics, and sometimes a like rhythm or phrase like the way he wants to sing it and then you just sort of wing it on that like it's a very um outsider art is the pretentious way to say it i guess but like Ooh. it's a very uh discovery based process with a, a you know there's a freshness to and there always has been this like freshness to archer's uh creative uh energy um that i think is really fun like he takes you know piano what you lessons should do? Stuff, but this is the you, opposite of that <laughs> you should uh you should steal it. Like, yeah. just don't say that your son is giving you any of this stuff. Just pretend that it's you. 
I I feel like I'll have to work on my falsetto, um, but I'm not ruling that out. If I mean, I feel like well, one, I was just talking about the content. You oh, know, but, yeah. I mean, I've I've actually done that one time. He he wrote a um <laughs> he wrote a album uh, that we never recorded. He just so he'll write just like uh, song titles. Um, and so he'll, he'll come to me with this like list of 30 songs and a title and that's it. And sometimes I can get him to do lyrics in a, in art and then we'll actually record it. But I probably have, uh, you know, three or four dozen albums that are purely just lists of song titles and a, and a name of an album. And one of them was called Damager Soundtrack, which I thought was so <laughs> Kick ass that I used the word damager as a title for one of my songs after asking permission from the artist. Um, but yeah, damager soundtrack. That's an old one. I have, I, like I, I have files. I have like a uh, manila envelopes full of, uh, full of track lists and, and, um, and aborted album, uh, attempts and things like that. <clears throat> well, Look at all that raw material. Yeah, the the output that a child can, especially a child at the time. I would say his peak output was like when he was able to write, uh, but also not in school and had no real outlet for all of this like torrent of creativity other than to give me a new piece of construction paper with, with track list on it virtually every day. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so clearly you're going to need to um, find what situation works best, like you just said, and set it up artificially so that you're squeezing every last drop out of creativity from your son. So this may involve keeping him in a room isolated from others for weeks at a time. Oh, yeah, well, we homeschool. And he just slides the <laughs> construction paper under the door every time he finishes a song list. And, you know, it's really for the – Great, the good of humankind. So <laughs> we appreciate your sacrifice, Archer. Yeah. Okay. See, this is this is when it's good that I have headphones on and he can't hear you. Well, I mean, I am aware of this in some sense. <laughs> yeah. So there, there you go. I mean, I guess. Like, what are your? Uh, what is? What is? Uh, output look like in your house like what what your do your kids create things are they more oh yeah or do they more are they more in the destruction end of the spectrum i feel like um oh it depends i mean it seems to be universal though that it's so far as i've experienced that kids want to create stuff and it totally varies from kid to kid or what you know is distracting them at the time mm -hmm. but if you leave a kid to their own devices long enough, they're going to try to create something. And it's, I don't know, it's actually an interesting instinct to have. But yeah, let's see. Uh, my oldest son, Winston, likes, he, he's generally a, a drawer. Okay. He draws things, uh, scenes, like uh, storyboard type of situations. Um, That's and nice. then Liam, middle child, is much more abstract. Uh, he'll draw, he'll get really into like, you know, he'll be using a spirograph, but then he'll imitate the spirograph. He'll make a spirograph, and then he'll imitate it with a hand-drawn one, and then he'll imitate it with just colors. And mm -hmm. like, it's like totally 
beyond my comprehension how he's coming up with it. But yeah, it's just like in his head. And he's like, see, and this is what it means. Can't you guess? And I'm like, no, I, you, that's great. I don't, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting. Jules is a little young. Um, sure. Oh, Jules likes crafting. He oh. likes to build things out of trash. Oh, he that's, gets, he that's started getting upset house. that I was throwing things away. Uh, because you know, it was perfect to build something out of. Yeah, almost every box that comes into this house ends up turning into an invention uh, why, by one of our kids. Yeah, it's well, I'm sure there's plenty of reasons, but it's interesting. I maybe I never really thought through it. Is that as a kid, you don't have a lot of surrounding intentionality to what you do, but every single one of them is intensely interested in in their own way in like making stuff that they don't already see yeah or like uh I'm, the way i've thought of it was art the archer like i just sent you a link to a photo um or i sent you a photo rather and uh this is archer's <laughs> episode list to a show called seek adventures which is like a uh there's 35 episodes in season one and 20 in season two and 20 more in season three. And this is actually an early picture. Yeah. There's more on the other side. He's reminding me, this is an early photo or he was, he still worked on it. So there are, you know, uh, episode titles, a galore. Uh, there's three more seasons worth of episode titles, all squeezed onto this one piece of construction paper eventually. Um, and, I've asked him like, wh- what's the deal here? Like, are you gonna are you gonna storyboard a, sh- a TV show or like tell us about these characters? He actually did tell us about the characters a little bit, but I think that on some level, a kid makes just enough for their imagination to handle the rest. Like he builds wh- when he comes up with track lists and and episode lists, his he's just building enough foundation that he can imagine everything else. Um, well, that's a well. Okay, first of all, I hear you there, but the sheer quantity of these episode titles is—it's like prodigious. Like, <laughs> yeah, like that's not like I wrote three titles just so I could have my own imagined time. <laughs> it's like I did the work of a network writing team, and then I'm going to imagine like an entire season in my head while I stare out a window or something. Well, that's almost like, yeah, that's the, that is the thing that I find fascinating with a lot of his work is it typically does have like interesting arcs or turns of phrase. Um, like the, you would watch like this shows, uh, episode list sounds completely believable as a real television show. Like season one, episode one is called the making. Right, and season two is living with robots. You know what you know what this show is about already. Um, <laughs> and then you know you've got these these uh, arcs of like football. Me is episode four. Baseball me is episode five. Robot made is episode six. Million of me is episode seven. We were big into C- uh, Steven Universe when he was writing this. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's it, but uh, I mean. The episode, uh, let's see, there's a, there's time travel eventually. There's two, the past, episode one and two. You know, I there's think we should just pick, situation. I think we should pick our favorite one or two out of here and just have Archer write up the the uh, synopsises for us. I have intent, attempted that, <laughs> but like he's moved on, you know, like he makes this stuff. 
and gets what he wants out of it in terms of imagination fuel, imagination like booster fuel. His brain handles the rest. And, you know, I feel like I'm lucky if he makes some of the stuff that his imagination uses a physical item that I can share in. So do we ha- do we still do this as adults or is it that I can see a couple ways it goes is that things otherwise require our attention or that we get out a lot of the novelty from our heads until it takes something that seems a lot more unthought of to us to drive us to create it or do we just like lose the ability to do so due to brain structure. Uh, I've, I I have thought a lot about this and I, I think like, especially with a kid's stuff, like being able to do like everyone else in eyeball as an adult, right? Like the, there is nothing keeping the rest of us from doing that exact project and creating an album like that. Sans a child, but the child, a, Archer's ideas are, are are awesome and fresh and unexpected, but there is the other aspect of it where like the having a kid does like reframe what you're doing a little bit, having a kid involved <laughs> and, uh, and people, you know, there, there is a, it is almost like a, um, and sort of a, a defense around your creation to be like, Oh, I made this with a kid. Like it's a way to co- compensate for. Okay, uh, so you're saying I'm not saying that, it's good, uh, but that well, definitely is excellent. Right. You know, that, that's a, a good explanation. So you're saying that as we get older, we realize that actually things in things in society that other people find useful are often complex things that take a lot of expertise to create because people see things as how they could be using them, and so if I write a episode title while an interesting thought experiment seeing me as an adult they're expecting me to produce something that's useful and they're like well are you gonna film it or are you working with an animator you know and you're it it may just be the expectation on an adult to be producing things that other people would use that they couldn't produce themselves maybe. Yeah. It's well, I mean, I, I think that, um, it's harder to feed your imagination as an adult because your imagination is, uh, there are less undiscovered corners, you know, there, there, there's a there are less, there are fewer ways for you to give yourself new ideas sort of like independently. Like I, mm-hmm. I see it with a, you know, with Archer, like he's gonna, he's got, He's got lots of room in there for new ideas. Like he realizes new things all the time, um, but eventually you're old and <laughs> and your uh, the, the imagination doesn't uh, isn't like a self sufficient organism in the same way. Um, I think that's part of it. I think imposter syndrome, or even just on a very more basic level, like awareness that there are people older or younger than you or your age that do whatever it is that you're doing professionally. I always think about that. Like, oh, I put a, right, yeah. you know, I, I cooked something cool and I put a photo on my Instagram. Uh, and it's hard. It was, sometimes I have to like overcome the idea that there are, you know, that, wh- you know, who am I? I mean, right. fried rice, like there are people who make fried rice every day and, and have for, you know, decades. You know, that's a good point. Cause it's, I don't know if this is good or bad, but it's certainly a, a thing that I do, which is that I tend not to 
uh, post or generally talk about things that I create or do outside of like, you know, close acquaintances that I know their background and, or they know me at least, right? <clears throat> uh, because I don't want to, one, I don't want to just constantly imagine that what I'm doing is subpar to what somebody else could do about the same thing. And I guess, two, I don't want it to, maybe I don't want to be reminded of that when I put something out in too wide a swath, then I know somebody's looking at it and being like, oh, okay, well, I'm glad that makes him happy. You know, sort of like this, I feel this distant condescension, intentional or not, you know. Some of it's very practical. work. Right, like, there, there you, and I feel like I, even with this podcast, right, like, I'm not out there <clears throat> telling everyone about, the, oh, you got to listen to this podcast. Podcasts are especially strange because unlike, like, your band or something where, or, like, even a, a drawing, right, like, you tell like, somebody, hey, look at this drawing, and they go, oh, cool drawing, and, like, that, that, like, social interaction has completed in, like, w- one second. Like, they looked at the drawing, and they could look at it more, but they've at least, like, uh, performed the transaction of mm-hmm. I created a thing, please ingest my thing. Whereas like an a, a band, now you're up to like 30 seconds to 90 seconds to potentially an entire song before somebody could reasonably say, oh, cool band, nice job with that music or whatever. A podcast is really hilarious because if you tell someone about a podcast, then you're asking them, you're asking for 69 minutes of their time. <laughs> You know, like there's <laughs> yeah. not uh there's not really a way to listen to a clip of a podcast unless you like go unless you go full pro- like promotion and make a YouTube super cut of your best podcast moments or something. Um, there's Which not yeah. I've I've asked you to do pretty much every time we record it and I still haven't seen anything. Uh, well, I, you know, I asked Archer to do it and here we are. Um, oh, well, yeah. uh, it, make us a title. <laughs> Oh, I, I didn't ask you to. I was joking. Don't worry. You don't Daddy's have to do anything. Daddy's lying. Daddy's lying. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, in, you know, it's, I think that being able to publish anything to the world also makes the creative process a lot weirder than it used to. Um, yeah. or like the decision making process around what, who sees what you make is a lot weirder. Um, and I think has made the doing something for its own reward sort of uh avenue it feels like that's happening less but then again the internet if if it isn't happening on the internet it might as well not be happening as far as my awareness of it so who knows like maybe there are people who make uh who make great i mean there definitely are right people who make food and they're very proud of it and then they don't feel the need (laughs) to take a picture of it and post it to literally the whole world um and they they get that they it's it is its own reward or it's you know the reward is uh contained within the people that you serve it to or whatever um yeah but- i i do find it hard to find complete reward in just creating something and no one ever seeing it right but i do and i can't decide if it's a a total value or just a total or also an avoidance of like bad feelings about not being the best. But when I show it to people who know me personally or care about it, like there's this element that it's interesting, not just because of what it actually is, but because I did it because they know me 
in a much more like uh, broad sense mm. and dare I say in some ways care about me. Um, <clears throat> not to say that you're like, oh, good job. I want to make you feel good about your creation. But that who does something matters greatly, right? So it it's does, like a yeah. quote, right? An uh, inspirational quote on a wall can be completely banal and pointless if it's without context. But if somebody who has a proven pattern of having considered like all these things or accomplished a lot says of a quote similar, mm -hmm. there's it, it has a totally different meaning and totally different value to it, even though it it could be a I don't know how you would say this, almost like a uh, homonym for uh, the existence of something. <laughs> it's the same thing, but it's totally different. Well, that's that's why I make sure that's why the the uh, plaque above our door says "Live, Laugh, Love," but it correctly attributes it to the original uh, author uh, Abraham Lincoln. Right. Yeah, no, that's a perfect example, and I, he got ripped off so bad on that. Yeah, oh, that guy. I mean, really bad luck on a, a few different uh, uh, items, but you no, know, the uh, I think that the um, the context of uh, the creator as someone that you know, like it, I think that this is uh, with bands. This is huge with bands, right? Like you, you, you. I'm always going to have so much more interest in somebody's band if I know them. Like my your friend's band uh, provides you with a weird amount of like subconscious context and patience for listening to that, as opposed to some band randomly showing up on your Spotify or whatever. And like, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, yeah, I don't think it's no. I I agree, and I don't, and I don't think that it's, um, just totally. Uh, I don't think that it is saying it's better than another person's creation, but it is so far as your subjective experience is concerned. Like you will object, or you will. Well, you will objectively get more out of it, even though somebody else might get more out of someone else's band that they know, right? So it's it's comforting in that way because it provides room for everything to have a value that's not a zero-sum value game, right? Yeah. You're not taking away value from somebody else's because yours is better. There's a uniqueness to value that – doesn't have a limited resource necessarily. Well, that's in, in in most senses. That's the exciting, like that's the positive sort of opportunity of being able to like put your album on Bandcamp immediately. Is the the potential for uh, people connecting with it is way wider, like orders of magnitude bigger than if I were to only give a CD or well, an eyeball CD to like my friends and tell them, you know, pass it on, <laughs> which mm -hmm. is how you used to like until very recently. There wasn't a, I mean, there there wasn't a way to distribute music like even even you know like think like just prior to burning CDs, things got passed around on cassettes unless you were a real artist that was being distributed by a label or something. Right, it was a guy standing on a well-trafficked street corner handing out cassettes and a little pamphlet, and and uh, then you're obligated to pretend to want to take it. Yeah, and like the the hesitance that like you have around sharing stuff, I think is 
natural because like I'm I mean it was only recently that you could do that and I get paranoid about my dependence or our dependence as a society or whatever um, on uh, on this different this different and new kind of feedback where instead of getting uh, 80% of my friends getting positive feedback from 80% of my friends and my friends are you know 12 people now I'm releasing something to hundreds and thousands of people and getting 0.0000002% feedback, you know, like the, the, it feels exciting to put it out in to all of these people, but your, the quality of the feedback and the kind of like positive vibes that you get from it are different, but people do it because they're, you never know when you're going to strike gold. Right. And all of a sudden your thing gets picked up by something or retweeted by someone or whatever, and now all of a sudden, a hundred thousand people like so your thing. Does you know? that is so for for you personally? Does uh-huh. that experience? Um, wh- what about that experience is the most like uh, exciting for you, or or what about that experience gives you the most feeling of meaning, having done something meaningful? Oh man, it's such a it, it's such a. Um, like a, it's a collision of ideals really for me. Like I don't want, like when I put a picture of food on Instagram, I don't want it to get picked up by Instagram food pics and retweeted to 5 zillion people. Like I don't really care. You should um, start cutting that stuff in half, man. What? Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. I need Arbitrarily. to release more slow motion videos of me tearing my food in half. Um, no, I, I think like, I I want even with yes very funny Archer. <laughs> uh, I want the like the the right kind of thing to happen, which is a very like romantic idealistic way to look at like anything that you make, and it's it's a battle of like I don't you know I want to tell people about this this band or this song or this creation or whatever, but you want it you want like uh, attention, but you want like to also dictate the quality of the attention a little bit, which is why I don't flood everything with hashtags and like totally quote unquote sell out social media stuff. Like I don't promote this pod. This podcast is like the purest example of this actually, because I do zero promotion. I like under duress have a Facebook page that has Mm -hmm. like nine people that like it. And because I feel like I do not in any way want to like sully the dialogue that we have via vis-a-vis like making clips of it <laughs> being like you won't believe what what cameron and rock talked about this week <laughs> and like you well uh, you would first you would find me quickly being like so i don't think it's working out <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's weird like you want to um there are avenues for promotion but it's like why are you promoting and what's your actual goal and Um, maybe I, maybe the way I see it is old, (laughs) but like, I'd feel like there's a, there's a sacrifice of like dignity at some point when you're just slapping 60 hashtags on something that I don't, I don't want to cross that line because I don't know what like success for this podcast for me is like, we record it every week and we have this like really interesting, you know, corpus of dialogue that we always will have done. Um, 
but like, and it would be cool if more people listen to it. But like, I, I, there are people who do this for a living, you know? And so this gets back to, I guess what you originally said is like there, you run up against the awareness that people do whatever you're doing for a living. You run up against the fact that there are people who maybe don't do it for a living, but, uh, put tons of energy into promoting it because they have a, maybe a different goal than you. Although everyone's goal is, you know, success would be cool for well, anybody, right? Attention yeah, I mean, is something that anyone, almost anyone would like. Otherwise, why are you doing it at all? Right. I th- okay. So through that conver- through that exposition, mm. I think one thing that I uh, am recognizing is that it's important to uh, align the value of the thing uh, with the actions that enhance that desired value. So it's going to be different for everything, right? So in this yeah, case, everyone, yeah. there's nothing about it that w- it, its value is, if not antithetical, certainly not for wide res- widest release. Yeah. Like that's not its value ever. Even if you wanted to promote it, you're just arbitrarily deciding that's a value you want to have for it when it doesn't at all make sense for that thing, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess it would just depend. Yeah, I guess it would take a real thought to say, okay, I enjoy this. That means I find meaning in it. So what is it about this? And then enhance all the aspects that would make that more like that. Right, and it's, it's I think, uh, an interesting exercise to uh of in like almost like denial to be like if that is really what i care about then i should not worry about these other things and when when everything you put on the internet is potentially a thing that could have literally hundreds some you know heretofore un like mind-boggling amount of people compared to like the amount of people that even something in the like 80s would get out to unless you ran a radio station Right, like there's right. That's always looming, right? And, and it feels like an interesting exercise to to say, like, to remind yourself that even though that seems readily achievable, or like something that should be a, a signifier of a success, just because it's there and it's it's poten- like it's potentially a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to to say like to to remind yourself that that's not. Of what would have to be sacrificed in terms of ideals in order to get there um, is interesting. Like, like I'm not seeking to monetize this podcast. You know what I mean? But like that, there are people who monetize podcasts, and zillions of people listen to them and stuff. Like that is a marketplace, Um, right? And those inherently will only have a certain amount of possible meaning and a certain kind of meaning. Now, I don't say absolutely. Like, I couldn't put a I couldn't put a box around it, but mm. if you, in good faith, are trying to make good content, but you're trying to make money off of it, you have to think about who's going to watch it. You're going to have to think about the best way to promote it. You're going to have to think about things that you can't put in that are dead weight to that effort. Right. Because, and that's fine. I mean, to a degree, if you're being true about it, it does limit it. And so that's, I think, what a lot of those people are doing. They like have to accept a certain range of things to do and, and find out why that has meaning. 
Yeah, so, I mean, it becomes a reality of it. Even in the most pure, idealistic, like, I don't know, we just made this thing. And it was, you know, the idea that the, like, um, this is where the idealism comes in in general. But because with with music or art or a podcast, I'm definitely the, I part of me is the type of, uh, uh, looks at it as like the uh, the purest art will will rise to the top you know what i mean like the idea that like right. oh i don't know like that this this is this art is so legit and they sold they've avoided selling out you know so well that it ended up just finding this audience of people who could detect that but like then that's just another a lot of the time that's a you know a after the fact framing of of things yeah um, because all of the ones that were like that are better that just died or lived on in anonymity or are, uh, invisible or, or with, especially with bands, it's that success was never actually what you thought it was. Like, um, the, the band refused was very, uh, broke up in, I want to say like 2000, 2001. And they, uh, when they broke up at the time when they broke up, they, um, they played like one last show in a basement somewhere in the Northeast, I think, or maybe in Atlanta. And they, uh, they, their album went on to like be this like really seminal album for a, a lot of people, and um, they did a reunion tour. I saw them on the reunion tour uh, in front of maybe a thousand people, and they on their reunion tour said like this was ten years after that, and they said uh, the the uh, the amount of people they were playing for was just you know dozens of times more than the amount of people they were playing when they were a band the first time. <laughs> um, and like, so that success of like their, you know, this super legit band that never sold out and they were, they were all too idealistic anarchists to, <laughs> to continue as a band at the time or whatever, like that success didn't look like what you, what you might think, you know, does that make sense? I guess like the, that, like the, the, the idea of artistically legitimate success is sometimes that you die a pauper <laughs> and that you're famous later. Well, I would say that that's on uh, more the rule with, oh well, with art at least that's almost the rule, right? Yeah. So you, uh, if if the quicker you can like uh, <coughs> feel that up front and make the decision whether that you're doing something, why you're doing something, and if you really are doing something for a, a thing that you can't reasonably expect from that activity. Yeah. Then you know, do something else. There's no shame in that. But I mean, you will not only produce something good for people, but you'll produce something good for yourself as well. If you're like, okay, I see how this is going to work. It, uh, yeah. I'm going to do it anyways. It's hard. I mean, it's it's hard enough to create things like, like while fighting your own like self criticism and your own. I mean, your own time limitations or your own ability to like tolerate you not doing it well as you figure out how to do it better, no matter what the thing is. Um, especially as an adult trying a new thing, like to be bad at something is harder, the older you get. And, mm -hmm. um, and like uh, with all of those things at in play, as well as the opportunity to like put your thing in front of a zillion people at any point in the process, like that just makes it even harder to kind of, uh, create something in a way that is like, healthy and its own reward and for you first and other people later. 
Um, cause you know, what ends up happening is then you end up tweeting, I'm doing this for me first and other people later, which <laughs> is sort of self-defeating cause you're telling other people that, um, yeah, it's difficult. Well, I mean, that's just a symptom that you haven't really, uh, sort of brought out the true essence of what you're saying. Not necessarily you're, you're, you're not, but that you haven't really like, uh, internalized that, uh, idea to do. It's, yet. it's hard to internalize that idea. Uh, yeah, and you know what? That's another. Don't don't feel like a fraud because you find yourself doing things against that. Because uh, it's not you're not going to get it perfect. But like, if you're even finding yourself trying uh, at all, I mean, I think that you've already got a win. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, in like, if you have a like a, an opportunity to like feed off of someone else's like creative confidence and like enable it like i that's how i feel with archer like there are i was there are you know other ways to uh use a child's creativity in what like way less healthy ways i think like the um the child youtube stars and how like they're treated or or is is a thing that i was reading about recently it's a little dark so i don't really want to get into it but like the the like, there are there are ways to like use a, a somebody else's like uh, creative energy or freshness or inability or or either inability to have that sort of like hesitant self doubt or ability to overcome it. Um, yeah, like I was my plan earlier to put Archer in his room and have him churn out creations. Right, right. That's that's not super far off of what people actually do. I, um, I I agree. Yeah, and like, it, but like, just to like enjoy it and to be along for the ride and have the recordings be uh, kind of exactly what they are. Like the, the recording is that we did was with two microphones and it was um, off the cuff. Like, and there's another universe in which I uh, get Archer Studio time and we we like record it over and over again until we get the songs just right but like that's not how he works he wants to make new things and that's not like what i want it to be about i don't want it to be about the things being uh the like the uh america's got talent representation of a kid doing something perfectly because oftentimes when i see that kind of stuff like oh watch this kid play box you know third partita that's amazing what i think about is like how much that kid probably practices <laughs> and like right, that- and and we don't, and I, I, it's not to say it's not just the classic like let's down on people who are talented so that we have some reason why we're not as talented. Like, oh, that guy practices too much, which is why I'm better than them, and I haven't made the effort they have. Right? <laughs> it's a way no. of not doing something to be better. I think we've talked about it before. I don't think that's what you were saying. No, what I'm saying um, is that like not everything has to be that. And exactly, like, and, and I think those people start out fa- uh, just basically misunderstanding what they're wanting to do, like wh- whether they just haven't taken the moment or actually sometimes it takes a while to just consider like what's my end goal and, and is that worthwhile or what, you know, like it, it's not simple. Or maybe they have considered it and like – uh, and then I can very clearly say, when I think of it in terms of the end goal, that like the reason that Archer and I play eyeball music is 
you know, a completely has nothing to do with why someone would, you know, perform a, have their kids show up on a YouTube video, uh, you know, because they're amazing at this partita or whatever. Like there, there's, yeah, there's, there's, well, the, I just the don't think ex- people think enough. I think that I think that it's just so obvious, so such a basic assumption that being good at something and and being, you know, and potentially being popular because you're good at it or whatever is obviously a thing to be aimed for, and that not everybody can get there. So it's okay to not do it or aim for it, but that's only for people who couldn't accomplish. Such a thing, yeah. It's complete. I'm not. It's completely unfounded. Like sometimes that's true, but it has no more value than something else different than it. It's just a bad assumption. Yeah. It, yeah. Popularity is the only, or as the. It's it's sort of there's two sides of it, right? Like popularity is not necessarily the only metric for success, but also popularity as a goal is completely valid. Um, and doesn't make you know the thing any less valid. But uh, the way I described it to Archer with uh, with eyeball, especially with us playing this like improv noise rock while he also takes piano lessons and practices, is like one of these things is practice and drawing. It, it, for example, the way I described it to him was drawing. I was like, you you want to draw uh, in order to get better and to learn how to shade in order to like draw in the lines and draw neatly and and represent what you want to represent. But also scribbling is fun, right? Like, and uh, right. so for us, like eyeball is scribbling, and other stuff is drawing. And the 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 thing that makes something like scribbling hard as an adult is like you you could yeah you can make a thing and put it on Instagram and be like oh I'm just started learning this or like I I scribbled this what's up and like the objective the chances of those things getting the the amount of positive feedback you might be looking for are probably lower if the thing is a scribble and not a a drawing <coughs> but like you you are by scribbling you already started down a path of the reward of that thing being different than if it were a drawing you know i think that's what i'm trying to say uh yeah no i totally get that i mean i think that uh we yeah we just need, we have to spend more time thinking about our fundamental uh, reasonings and what we find meaning in before we even decide what we're doing. Because, like, both scribbling and drawing are good. And you have such much, you will have such a much more fulfilling experience if you know why you're doing which one before you do it. Not to say that, like, you know exactly why you're scribbling, right? Like, like what you're doing, that's a creative process. But yeah. the fact that you're engaging in the process, you know why you are, and you're content with it, it's like, you know, it's just healthy. Yeah. It's ba- 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 basically. All right. So our, our assignment to our listeners is go scribble and then don't tell anyone about it, I guess. <laughs> or scribble. I drew a dice just now, so. There you go. Or scribble, post it, and then see that it gets no attention and remind yourself you didn't. Do it for attention and then delete the post. I don't know. This is all very complicated. No, what? If you did do it for attention and it didn't get any posts, you're bad at that. So either get better (laughs) or don't do it. Or add more hashtags. (laughs) 